Welcome back to the Market to Online podcast, where we help new and not so new creators reimagine their online strategies and finally live the life of their dreams. Here we are, friends, for another episode of the copywriting series. I'm so happy to have you here. This will put us at the third episode of this six episode series. By the end of this episode, we'll be smack in the middle. So, how am I doing so far? How about this? This copywriting series rocks. I guarantee it. There you have it. You just can't go wrong taking this copywriting series. I've guaranteed your satisfaction. Those are powerful words, right? But what does my guarantee mean? What if you think this series is marginal at best? There's no money to return, and we can't give you back your valuable time if you feel it was wasted. Boy, I better make this good. So, really, there's no power without proof. Everywhere you look online and offline, you will see advertisements proclaiming satisfaction guaranteed These are fairly common, and that's the problem. The statement can come across as just another hollow promise because it often is. Every promise you make to a prospect should be both fulfilled and guaranteed. When you sell something in exchange for someone's hard-earned money, the promise is that the product or service will meet or exceed expectations. The guarantee means you will give the money back if the buyer feels that it's not the case. I remember an employer of mine from many years ago. Her motto was to under-promise and over-deliver. So basically, she did not want to fail, so she would not promise the world if she could get away with only promising a continent. This way, when she delivered the product, she could over-deliver or give more value than they expected and keep them as a long-time client. Just make sure the promise you make will still give your customer what they want while providing you with room to deliver even more value. The word guarantee is extremely powerful, but only when it is backed up with evidence that has a measure of substance. The proof behind the guarantee accomplishes two things. Number one, it demonstrates the confidence that you have in your offering, your product or service. And secondly, it relieves the risk to the buyer. Every contemplated purchase carries a risk to the consumer. Before consumer protection laws, the rule was caveat emptor. Let the buyer beware. And these days, buyers are still cautious, even leery, especially of unknown vendors. You know, you and me and every other online marketer out there. Unless you have a well-known name or brand, your customers will think twice before pulling the trigger. 
even when already emotionally and logically committed to what you have to offer, buyers don't want to make a mistake. So it's up to you to help them get over the hump. The way to get past the buyer's uncertainty is to first demonstrate confidence in your offering, not through boast or a lot of foolish or inconsequential sales talk, but with a good old-fashioned, no-questions-asked, money-where-my-mouth-is, cash-back guarantee. That's what they want, and that's what you must deliver. Return periods of 30, 60, or 90 days work great. Some direct marketers go as far as six months, a year, or hey, even a lifetime money-back guarantee. The longer, the better. Other techniques can involve a return premium. Here the seller allows you to keep all or part of the materials delivered even after the refund or promises to double your money back or some other multiple. Now that's confidence, and it speaks directly to the buyer's lingering reservations. You've now created a risk-free buying environment. Your conversion of prospects to customers will skyrocket compared to the -the run-of-the-mill same offer, same guarantee. You may be thinking, whoa there, I can't do that kind of thing. It's way too risky for me. Our first response might be to ask you how much faith you have in your offering. If your faith is lacking, improve your product or service. As we've seen with Domino's Pizza and Federal Express from last week's episode, the guarantee was the key that made the offers irresistible. But you spotted the essence of the technique. You're taking the buyer's risk and shifting it over to yourselves. Assuming the faith of your offering is there, here's why you shouldn't be concerned. First of all, you'll get some returns no matter how much value you deliver. The reason for confidence is that your guarantee will generate a much higher number of sales. But you may say, by taking the risk away from the buyer, you'll end up selling to someone for whom the product wasn't intended. And I say, that's okay. The numbers are working for you. Your returns will be lower than you think, even among those who experience buyer's remorse. We like to remain consistent on a psychological basis, and our brains work hard to validate our earlier decisions. Couple that with the uncertainty people experience when faced with initiating the return process, especially for physical products, and the sale remains in place. When it comes to information products, some people will rip you off. It's going to happen. They'll happily consume the knowledge you offer and still demand a refund. If your product is digital, some will share your hard work with other people and you won't make a dime. Don't worry about it. Believe it or not, most people are honest. Don't lose sleep over those that are not. 
your sales and profits are up, perhaps dramatically, because of your guarantee. I mean, that was the goal, right? There are certainly other methods to keep customers happy and minimize returns, but the general rule is to always make a strong, substantial guarantee that transfers the reader's risk back over to you. Well, now that you're comfortable with the basics of offers, writing about features versus benefits, and guarantees, let's take a look at some unique ways to write persuasive copy. So here we have seven scientifically backed copywriting tips for you. Learning how to write persuasive copy is a necessity if you want to sell products, services, or ideas online. While we know that great writing is truly an art, those of us looking to improve our craft as a copywriter can find a lot of help from behavioral, psychology, and neuroscience studies. The only problem is those good writers are often busy people and they don't have time to slog through dry research papers to find an interesting nugget or two. And more than likely, you don't have that much time to do it as well. Fortunately today, you'll get a look at seven fascinating studies on the mind and see how you can apply their findings to produce a more persuasive copy. Does that sound good? Let's jump in. Number one, make them feel something. Imagine, if you will, you're watching football or your favorite sport, and your team's quarterback gets slammed with a bone-crunching tackle, snapping a rib. You could hear the snap. Ouch. Can't you just feel yourself cringing at the thought? That's the power of mirror neurons and how they affect the human mind. According to research on the subject, those neurons activate when you observe something happening, and then you simply transfer some of those feelings, if it's powerful enough, onto you. Although a majority of the current research on mirror neurons focuses on literal observation, great writers know that strong emotions can be conveyed through words as well. Think about the first example. If you did cringe at the thought of a man breaking his ribs, you're already experiencing this effect in action. When crafting compelling copy, you have to understand what keeps your potential readers up at night. It's easy for us to write out, envision this, but it's not as easy to get people to care. You have to speak to a feeling that's already there. Not try to force one on your reader. If you're selling beer, you need to invoke memories of good times spent with friends over an ice-cold beverage. Using this information on mirror neurons to transfer the desired feeling onto readers is effective. But it's only going to work if you know what makes those readers tick. Number two. Be wary of selling savings. Here's something you should know. If you're using precious real estate, whether it's online or offline, to chest thump about your low prices, you're doing it wrong. 
Not only has research shown us that asking customers to directly compare prices is a bad idea, but a study from Stanford University has revealed that selling time is far more effective for most businesses than selling money. Jennifer Aker, the lead researcher in the Stanford study, sought to explain why companies like Miller could use a slogan such as, It's Miller time! As an inexpensive beer, shouldn't they be promoting their reasonable prices instead? Well, it turns out, no. A person's experience with a product tends to foster feelings of personal connection with it. Referring to time typically leads to more favorable attitudes and more purchases. So what does this have to do with writing great copy? Writing compelling copy helps you speak to what matters to your buyer, and that's their time, their troubles, and objectives. We know that customers are willing to pay more for exceptional service, but you also need to understand that they're willing to pay your prices if you speak to them in a way that shows you value what they hope to achieve. Your efforts will be perceived as far more genuine and effective than trying to sell them at a bottom dollar price. Or put better, ultimately, time is a more scarce resource. Once it's gone, it's gone. And therefore, it's more meaningful to us. Number three, sweat the small stuff. This is an incredibly important study for copywriters and conversion experts, or better known as a cool way of talking about online marketers. A fascinating piece of research from Carnegie Mellon University was able to show that the devil is in the details, especially when it comes to creating copy that converts. In the study, researchers tested how changing a single phrase could affect conversions over the long haul. They did this by setting up a free DVD trial program that customers could sign up for and testing it between two different phrases. The first one, a $5 fee. The second one, a small $5 fee. Here's the best part. They found that the second phrase, a smaller $5 fee, was able to increase sign-up rates by over 20%. The science behind it is pretty interesting. Researchers found that this emphasis on the small fee made it far easier to deal with conservative spenders, also known as tightwad customers. When it comes to great copywriting, however, the lesson is more of the art of great writing rather than in the science. You must take the time to measure, improve, and track the success of your craft. Great writers today have no excuses for not testing their work. So make sure you're testing or sweating the small stuff and keeping tabs on how it performs. Number four. Embrace your devilish side. A big mistake that many copywriters make is 
making little effort to be authentic. Everything is high level. They promise the world, and since many consumers are hesitant to believe crazy claims, they're more likely to glaze over your copy rather than get swept up by it. The answer? Create strong copy that addresses their objections head-on. You might be familiar with the term devil's advocate, which is when someone takes a position they don't inherently agree with to prove a point. What you might not know is that the Catholic Church used to use a person called the devil's advocate when they canonized someone into sainthood. Their job was to find flaws with the person so the debate around them was impartial. They ended the practice, and with good cause, because you'll soon see that playing the devil's advocate enhances the persuasiveness of the original argument. A study by social psychologist Charlene Nemeth was able to show that arguments framed in the devil's advocate style were more likely to persuade listeners to support the original argument rather than to disagree with it. Nemeth and other uh, researchers have concluded that this occurs because potential flaws and concerns are brought up and subsequently addressed when engaging in the devil's advocate style, either by the speaker or subliminally by the listener. Such as, when you're listening to a persuasive argument and you think to yourself, but will that address blank? You're much more likely to be persuaded if the speaker says something like, many of you are probably worried about blank right now. Because your concerns are now in the spotlight, instead of being ignored or swept under the rug, once satisfied, you're more likely to subscribe or purchase or sign up. So instead of trying to paint a picture of an infallible offer, point out common concerns that customers may have. Then assure them with facts and evidence that they have nothing to worry about. Number five, don't rely on adjectives alone. Some writers might not agree with this, but college kids will tell you an admissions letter is one of the most stressful pieces of persuasive copy you can write. And believe me, it is very much a piece of selling copy. You're selling yourself to some person who decides the fate of your future. Interestingly enough, in this analysis of persuasive admission letters, as discussed by the Harvard MBA admissions director who read them, verbs beat out adjectives more often than not. Verbs get specific and are harder to ignore, especially in a vain world where everybody describes themselves with the same overused adjectives. How about this example? We know this guy, let's just call him Brian, who's intelligent, hardworking, and insightful. Big whoop. Now, what if we told you that he founded a successful company, he created a popular blog, and he leads a talented team? 
much more persuasive or impressive, right? Verbs get in your face. And since your competitors will be fluffing up their copy with adjectives they found in a thesaurus, you can win people over by describing what you actually do. Number six, include power words. Smart copywriters know that certain persuasive words hold more sway than others. The top five persuasive words are as follows. You, actually someone's name, such as when sending an email newsletter. The second one is free. The third one, because. The fourth one, instantly. And the fifth one, new. Here's the breakdown. You. According to recent research examining brain activation, few things light up quite like seeing our names in print or on the screen. Our names are intrinsically tied to our self-perception, and we become more engaged and even more trusting of a message when our name appears in it. Free. Dan O'Reilly, in his book Predictably Irrational, revealed a study about chocolate truffles and Hershey's Kisses that was quite startling. When the kisses were advertised as free, people chose them over the truffles by 38%. Although most people had chosen the truffles when the kisses were just a penny. Because, in a classic study from Robert Caldini, the author of Influence and Persuasion, The research found that people were more willing to heed to a request, in this case to cut in line, when people used the word because, even if the request was nonsensical. For example, can I use the copy machine first because I need to make a copy? Instantly. We all want things yesterday. According to certain MRI studies, few words light up our midbrain quite like those that invoke a sense of fast-forward. Let people know you'll solve their problems quickly, and they'll be more prone to buy. And finally, new. Novelty plays an incredibly important role in activating our brain's reward center and in keeping us happy with our purchases. The research shows that perceived newness is important for a product, but can be damaging for a brand. People trust brands that have been around for a long time. Number seven. Use transportation for persuasion. Why do good stories consume us so completely? No other form of writing can keep you up into the wee hours of the night willingly, quite like stories. According to research from social psychologists Melanie Green and Timothy Brock, there is a very simple reason why stories are so persuasive. Transportation leads to persuasion. People can block out sales pitches, But everybody loves listening to stories. 
Their research shows that stories have a tendency to get in under the radar and transport us to yet another place. And in this place, we may embrace things we'd likely scoff at in the harsh real world. This is great news for those adept at telling an enchanting tale, but how can the rest of us write more persuasive stories? According to additional research by the duel, the following four tactics work quite well. Number one, detailed imagery. Imagery paints the picture for the story. It's hard to understand how scary Mordor is without Tolkien giving you detailed descriptions of the barren landscapes, the looming presence of Mount Doom, and the horrifying screams of the Nagsgul, all found in J.R.R. Tolkien's Fellowship of the Ring. Number two, suspense. How do you get people to finish a story? Leave them begging to know the end in the very beginning. It's hard for us to not finish things that catch our attention. So lead with something exciting first, not later. Number three, metaphors and irony. The reason that stories like Animal Farm, a story by George Orwell, are so popular is that they tell a hidden tale through metaphor, such as depicting the rise of Stalin. Many good stories include these elements so that readers will have aha moments, allowing them to truly grasp the author's message. And number four, modeling. If you're looking to have someone change a behavior or take the desired action, you can model the action via a story. When we listen to transformation tales, we reimagine ourselves as the main character, and according to the research, it makes the action easier to understand. So there you have it. That's the end of this third episode of Copywriting Basics. I know it was a lot. So, be sure to listen to it again and take notes. This one episode will have a huge benefit if adopted to your writing. Until next week. No matter if you are new to online marketing or a struggling veteran, keep coming back, where you will learn how to develop your online strategies so you can achieve the success you desire. And hey, if you've not done so, please click on the subscribe button or inside the podcast app you're using, click follow so you'll not miss even one exciting episode. And while you're at it, why not go to market2online.com and see what resources we have available. You've been listening to the Market 2 Online podcast where we help new and not so new creators reimagine their online strategies and finally live the life of their dreams. Thanks for listening.